There's the word sorrow again. Shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse number 18, I want you to underline thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat, underline sweat. We're looking at the vocabulary of sin and the vocabulary of the curse. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now I want you to go to verse number 24 and we'll pray and get right into the message. Verse number 24 and get right into the message. So he drove, God drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword. I want you to underline the word sword. Sword. And uh, a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd help me to preach. I pray you keep me on track. And I pray God to help me to preach with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. I ask, dear God in heaven, that you'd be glorified and honored and magnified through this message. And that folks, Lord, would hear the truth of thy holy, eternal, preserved word of God. This book of life. Lord, we're in such a mess in this nation. We don't know where we came from. We don't know who we are. We don't know where we're going. We don't even know what we're doing. Right. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd help us to get back to the foundation of eternal truths. And God, help me to preach these truths without fear or favor of anybody in here or listening anywhere. I pray God, give me a love for them. Help me to care about their families, their marriages, their life. And God, help me to care about them enough to tell them the truth. God, I pray today, help us to speak the truth in love. And I pray, God, today that you'll help somebody in here today. Listen to me, Lord, either now or later. That, Lord, Satan has tried to bring confusion. And because of the culture of this country and what we've done, they, Lord, are, 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 are ignorant of, Lord, the cause of why. And they don't understand the why nor the answer to the why. And I pray, God, today that you'll help me to preach with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There are seven words that are used to describe. Now, you have this handout with you this morning. And just to give you a little heads up on that, on that deal there. Uh, at the top, you'll see, it is, number one, it's cursed. Number two, it moves across. And on mine, I don't have the numbers down there. But it moves from the left to the right. There's these seven words. Cursed, naked, sorrow, sweat, thorn, sword, and death. And they move over to the right. Now here's what's in the handout that I've given you. Here's what's going on. In case you're having trouble figuring that out, that's all my bad handwriting. But those are seven things that happened in the curse that Jesus Christ took care of on the cross. And how he reversed it for you and I over on the, on the right. So at the top you've got what Adam did. Next what Christ did. And then the effect of that in the believer's life. But before we get into this, I just want to say this. Just a couple of three weeks ago. A uh, very satanically confused young person walked into a school building and shot three nine-year-old kids dead. Shot three adults, teachers, and administrative workers there, one of them a custodian, dead. And all across this country, there seemed to be this chaotic attitude, this chaotic spirit of no, what, what's going on, what's wrong with this country. And whether you realize it or not, this country is in a very deteriorating position. We could see civil war within just a little while, or we could see a tyrannical takeover. But you're not messing with just different agreements and this, that. You're messing with a satanic battle to destroy Christianity and its influence in the world and to destroy it specifically starting here. Now, you people go through life and, and uh, somebody says, Reggie, why? Why did this happen? Why is that young lady, why is that young woman so confused, wants to be a boy and boys want to be girls? And why is it that a girl out here just a day or two ago was attacked in the hallway of a college because she spoke out against transgender garbage and people actually wanting to kill them? What's going on in this country and why are we where we're at? And I want to submit to you this morning, it's much more simpler than we might want to believe. It is because we have raised a generation of Americans who don't even know Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. They've been put through an educational system that doesn't even teach them where they came from, doesn't teach them they're male and female, doesn't teach them why there's sin and crime in the world, doesn't teach them anything to help them avoid the confusion and the, and the satanic invasion of their own hearts and minds. And they're living out the absence of the Word of God in their life. 
And by the way, I'm going to tell you something. That's what I, you need to ask yourself a question. Who's teaching my children and what are they teaching them and what are they not teaching them? Because the Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning. The, the, the knowledge of the Lord, the, the, fear, the Lord, beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. When you raise a child that does not know that he's male or female, does not know that he's created, thinks he evolved, and does not know that he is a sinner from the fall, that child will be left to total confusion and bewilderment about life. And so you see this happen. People say, Reggie, why? Why did that? My wife got cancer and she died. Why? I thought about Danny and I'm always picking on Danny, but Danny's wife got multiple sclerosis 20 years ago. Why? I mean, they're just trying to serve the Lord, give their life to God. Why? You may have lost your spouse. They got cancer. And you say, I've been in hospitals numerous, numerous times. And people come out of the waiting room and come out of the surgery and say, Reggie, why? Reggie, why? You may have lost a baby, uh, a, pre, uh, 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 you know, a young baby in the womb. And by the way, that's everywhere. By the way, can I tell you this? That part of the curse upon a nation that doesn't serve God is losing their babies in the womb. What you and I call miscarriages. Read your Bible. That is one of the judgments that God puts upon a nation that forgets him. And I'm saying to you, you may say, Reggie, listen, my spouse left me and the kids. Why? I heard about a man who left, left his wife with, he took the three kids and left. Why? I thought, that, why can nobody love anybody? Why do churches not get along? Why do family members almost hate each other? Family members can't even love each other. Have to put on the dog and act like you love each other when you come to church, you have Thanksgiving or Sunday dinner. But there's a deep entrenched hate. And why, 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 why is there war? Why is there abortions? Why is there murder? We need to ask ourselves. It's not wrong to ask why. Because if you just, if you untether yourself from this book, you'll just be floating out here in a humanistic, paganistic wondering of why is life like it is? Why does, some, why does six young people in a van uh, going to Bible college, went to minister to a church, come back, get head, hit head on by a drunk driver, kill five of them? Why? At 18, 17 years of age. Why? And you ask yourself, you're not careful. Now, you young people listen to me this morning. I, you may hate my guts. You may not like me. But one thing you won't be able to do at judgment. You will not be able to say, God, my preacher didn't preach the Bible and the truth to me. Amen. Now, you listen to me, young people. You're living in a generation that's been untethered from truth. And they're floating, as it were, into the space of humanism and paganism. And they do not know where they came from, why they're here, and why we have all the crime and the misery and, and the sickness that we have. Why do people get sick? Why do we have hospitals? Why do we have mortuaries? There needs to be an answer to this. Why do people kill each other? Why have there only been maybe 75 years in the entire human history where there has not been war? It is in your Bible, why? And it's called the fall of man. Romans 5, 12 says, For by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. You listen to me. Nobody on the news media, you haven't heard the word sin in any news broadcast in the last 15, 20 years. You never hear anybody say, you know, we got a problem in America. It's sin. It's all a mental condition. It's an emotional problem. It's all kinds of trash and junk, humanistic thinking. The problem is sin. The problem is sin. I want to tell you what comes in with sin. You listen to me this morning. Satan will hide you from the Bible so that you cannot know why all these things are going on. And all of a sudden you're so confused. You don't know what kind of world is this. People self-destruct. They can't figure out why. They get drunk. They can't figure out why. I mean, they, they, they get drunk because they can't figure out why is everything like it is. They drug themselves up. Why? Why is, did you know that if Americans didn't use so much drugs, there wouldn't be so much of it coming across the border. But there's a market here. Why is there a market for drugs? Because men do not know where they came from, nor where they're going, nor why they're here. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a preacher. But if I didn't have this Bible at 69 years of age, I wouldn't even know why I was here. I'd be wondering, what's this all about? Eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die. That's the world's attitude now. Eat, drink, be married for tomorrow we die. Let's go to the Cardinals. Let's go down to beach. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's do something to get our minds off of all this sin and wickedness and crime and hatred. Come on. 
And then if you're not careful, you try to buy five acres back in the side of the woods and say, I'm going to give me five dogs and, and, a, and an 18 foot fence and nobody's going to come around. Amen. Protect myself from it. I'm telling you this. Satan then opens up your eyes. You just take this morning to think about this. You're a child. You grow up. You go into the American education system. You go into kindergarten, first grade, whatever. Second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. You never hear you're a sinner. Now, this is why the churches of America have perpetrated a false gospel. They're trying, they've got a gospel going now. now all you, all you got to do is just repeat after me and sign up. Yeah. You'll be in good. No repentance. No admission of guilty sin against the Holy God. No work of the Holy Ghost to bring you to repentance and change your life. Instead of that, what we've done because we're so absent of the power of God. We have devised church services that feed into our humanistic feelings and make us feel good about our sin. We are idolaters. Did you know, I, I'll tell you something. You know, there's somebody that knows better theology than 90% of the preachers in this country. His name is Tucker Carlson. And I don't know a thing about him, but I'm going to tell you what he knows. You can watch it yourself. He said the transgender people are, they think they're gods. He said your gender cannot be changed, but they, they see God is the one who determines gender, right? Male or female. They want to be God. And if you're God, anybody that opposes you, you have the power and the, and the authority to destroy them. I'm telling you something. If we do away, so you got these kids going through school. And they come out. They've been taught evolution. So God's a liar. Genesis 1-1. The Bible's irrelevant or, or it, it, the Bible's either irrelevant or dangerous. I mean, those people are nutty. They believe the Bible. And so he got this kid comes out. He don't know. He, he doesn't know he's created. He doesn't know he's male or female. He doesn't know that their sin is this problem. He doesn't even know he's going to die and go to hell if he doesn't get born again in the spirit of God. He doesn't know the judgment of God because he doesn't believe there's a real God that ever bring anybody in judgment. And you say, well, I don't think that. No, no, they'll talk, talk, talk. But down inside, their actions speak louder than their words. What they're doing is telling you what they really believe or don't believe. You say, Reggie, what's the problem? Why? I'm going to tell you why. Sin. Sin. We don't, you can't hardly hear a message in America preached on sin anymore. Sin is destructive. And I want to tell you something, it brought about the curse. As I said, our American education system never teaches the truth about anything. And, and here's another thing. The whole reason is we're under the curse, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But churches play along with it. Churches seldom teach or preach on the fall of man and the resulting consequences of it. They all talk like we've got a problem that can be taken care of with counseling or this, that, or the other. Kids, not, kids are growing up not knowing the why of evil and the why of crime and the why of death and the why of all the misery in this country. And they've become little gods that they know good and evil. Not God. They will decide what's right and what's wrong. And it produces confusion and worse. The results are dead churches with a false spirit that do not teach the fall, the curse, and the why of all this misery and sin and death. They, preach, they do not preach the reality, nor do they preach the results and the remedy for it. People do not have the foundation of Genesis. They do not see themselves as a sinner. They then thus do not see their need for a savior. They hate those who say they need a savior. You go in the average city right now and you say, listen, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know he died for you on the cross? So why? Why do I need a savior? And then if you say, because you're a sinner, you're judging me. I mean, a total in your face rebellion of, of self-righteousness against the word of God. God declares that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you and I do not measure up. And by the way, if you do away with Genesis 3, there's no reason for the cross in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because if we're not sinners, what on earth do we need a savior for? And we've taught an American generation that they are really not sinners. They just have some problems that can be taken care of by a little more money from the government. Another program, another psychological examination, another piece of junk coming out of the humanistic culture. And I'm telling you right now, this church, we need to start and get back to the reality because our preaching of the gospel, you see, when Jesus dealt with people, I'm going to tell you, did you ever watch how Jesus dealt with people? 
If they were a harlot that was broken, he was kind, compassionate, and gave her good news. Neither do I condemn thee. Go back out and be a harlot. See, nowadays, neither do I condemn thee. Go on and live what you want to. I'm going to tell you something right now. There be people listening to me, people sitting here. You're no more saved than a goose is. You're lost as the goose. You bought into this false gospel that's been preached. You believe you can just go. You see, you carved out a God in your mind that goes along with everything you want to do. He's, he's your little God that just is putty in your hands and he likes whatever you do. You carve him out to be just what you want him to be. And so you see this, this cultivation of a generation who don't even believe they're sinners. So if I'm not a sinner, why do I need a savior? And they'll mock and laugh in the face. And by the way, we're just like the Israelites were. You see, it got to where it was the feast of the Jews, not the feast of Passover. You catch that? They had turned the holy days into a party time and left Christ out of it. So you get into that. They do not see themselves as a savior. They do not need a savior and they hate those that say so. And they begin to believe that they can save themselves through innumerable methods. Oh, I'll do yoga and I'll lose weight and I'll, do, I'll go to this and I'll go to that and I'll get a degree here and I'll do this and I'll take all these programs. I'll go to the counselors and this, that and the other. And right now in this country, there's a, a spirit of hopelessness, of despair and of self-destruction and that justifies destroying others. It's chaos and corruption and reprobation. Now get on your sheet right here and I want to show you this morning what Jesus Christ did as a result of the fall. In Genesis 3, 14 and 17, your Bible says there, that it mentions the word curse. I want you to understand something this morning. Out in the yard of my house, and I walked by it yesterday, and I stopped, and I just stopped for a while. There's a little tombstone about that wide, about that tall, and it says, Baby Kelly, 19, October 1991. We buried a, a baby that we miscar had miscarried. I stood there, and I thought, you know, why, why does that happen? And there are hearts, there are hearts in here. If you were to touch the hearts of people this year, there, there are mamas and fathers who hurt today because of lost children that they never got to see. And you go across all and you say, and you think, well, why is there this? And you start to do something, there's a thorn in there. I want to tell you something. Let's get this down. This is Bible theology number one. We are in a cursed world. Amen. I want to say something to you. You're lost. You're under the curse of God. That's serious business. Cursed of God. You're lost. You're not washed in the blood. You've never received Christ as your Savior. You've played religious games all your life. You're cursed. And when the man's cursed of God, he's cursed. It's a horrible thing to have the curse. You know, that's what's happening to our nation. We're under the curse of God. We can't elect anybody. No, I'm, I'm telling you, we've got a president this week who said that we should celebrate transgenderism, who said that they are the soul of our nation. Wow. He is a pervert reprobate. Amen. His spokesman got up behind a mic and said that we are, she's a queer, by the way. She's a lesbian, queer. She said we are fierce. And this administration backs us all the way. Now, I want to tell you something. We're in trouble. But I know this much. I can't stop all that, but I'm the pastor of this church and God's called me to preach. And I want y'all, you kids to know something. You're under curse. That's why you have a toothache. That's why you have an earache. That's why your body, you can, ha you can get hurt. You can have pain. You can have sorrow. By the way, do you know the reason you're under curse? Because that's, that's the reason you get a whooping every once in a while. You're under the curse. God puts it. You say, Reggie, what did Jesus do? Look, Galatians chapter three, verse 13. Galatians three thirteen. I want you to get this. Jesus Christ died in our place and everything that was lost in the fall, Christ regained in his death on the cross. We're celebrating his resurrection. Christ hath redeemed us. What? Look, there it is. From the curse of the law being made a curse for us. You don't have to stay cursed. Amen. January 24, 1982, I got saved. Amen. 
I got born again the Spirit of God. And God lifted the curse off of me. And I'm saved and given eternal life. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1. Put the verse number 3. Put that in. Stay ahead of me guys if you don't care. Ephesians 1, 3 tells you that we have the spiritual blessing. You and I because Christ became a curse. Curse. We have the blessing. Look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all. And this is the kind of blessings you and your family ought to want. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Some of you have bought into it that if you've got the right truck, the right boat, the right this, the right that, you're blessed. Uh, That's no sign of blessing at all. I mean, you go all over the world as rich people. Hate God. They got more than you and I got more than all the church put together. Are they blessed? No. No. Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 7 and 8. Blessed are they. Watch this. Whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. If your sins and your iniquities are not covered by the blood of Jesus, you are still under the curse. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You see, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, what did God do? He imputed my sin to Christ, imputed Christ's righteousness to me, and he saved me. And that's the greatest blessing you'll ever get in your life is to be born again the Spirit of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Christ took the curse of Adam upon himself on the tree so that you and I can have the curse removed and be blessed. Amen. 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 Number two, naked. Naked. Genesis 3, 7 and 10. Adam and Eve were naked, the Bible said. I want to tell you something this morning. Nakedness is not just you being fully unclothed. Nakedness, according to the Bible, can even be you just showing certain parts of your body. Read your Bible. Many of you do not take nakedness seriously. Nakedness is the second thing of the fall that God dealt with. Nakedness. You go into a heathen country, a jungle deal where they're just wearing loincloth and stuff. Is that what you want for this country? It's about what we got. You go around people wearing, ain't wearing much more than loincloth. Yeah. We're about there, aren't we? I'm saying this to you. We better get back. Part of the curse, part of the fall is nakedness. Nakedness. And I'm going to tell you something. There is a shame that God connects with nakedness. You ought to be ashamed to go naked. I'm going to say this again. I'm the pastor of this church and I love you. But mom and daddies ought not be naked in front of their children. Your brothers and sisters ought not be naked in front of each other. Amen. Amen. And you ought to make your kids wear that which is not nakedness. Nakedness, God says, is is a sign you're under the curse. Nakedness is wicked. If these people have their way, It'll be pure nakedness out here in the streets. I tell you, I'm telling you, I was up here in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia last Sunday morning. And I'll tell you what you talk about, oh, he'll be glad to get home. I'm telling you, that city's like a zoo up there. There's some wonderful people trying to serve God. They've got a challenge. We need to pray for them and support them. Brother, I'll tell you what they're up against. I'm talking about a battle. They're in it. But I want to tell you something. We're living in a jungle where people are just going around. Look, I tell you, I thought I was in a, in a humanistic Jew, a humanistic zoo. That's what I thought I was in. Matthew chapter 27. Put that up, guys, real quick. Matthew chapter 27. Watch this. I want you to get this. I want you to think about nakedness and about skimpy clothing and it's clothing that shows your body. I want you to think about this this morning. This is when they were taking Jesus to the cross. Every picture you've ever seen of Jesus Christ on the cross is not accurate. Not a, I've never seen one yet that's accurate. He hung naked. Upon the cross. They stripped him. Now this is in the court. Put, it, put up another scripture guys there. Uh, in 2 Corinthians. See if I got the right. But they stripped him. Naked. I want you to think about this. In order to deliver you from the fall. And from the curse. And from the shame of the nakedness. Jesus took your nakedness. Upon him. Does that make nakedness very important? Makes it super important. 
It's not a game. I promise you. Everybody in here, everybody, you're going to stand for God Almighty and you're going to find out what I'm preaching to you is the absolute truth. And you're going to wish you'd have woke up about the fact that your Savior, you claim to believe, he, he took nakedness is so wicked, so terrible, so vile that Christ said it's part of the curse and I'm going to take that upon myself. They say, Reggie, what did, his, what did his nakedness do for us? Look across there. Revelation 19, 7 and 8, it clothed you and I. The Bible said when he saves you and I, that it clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. The fine linen is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're clothed with it. That's what, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible teaches that there was something about the presence of God, the clothing of the righteousness, that they lost and they knew they were naked. And the Bible said they got more sense than people nowadays. They hid themselves. People won't do that now. They prayed themselves. We've lost the shame of nakedness in this country. Let's go on down. Number three, sorrow. I'll tell you this, and here's precious to me. Very, very precious to me. In the last year and a half, I've experienced more sorrow than I've ever experienced in totality of my life together. In the last 60 years. Six years, six, seven years before that. And I tell you, some days I just weep. And some days I just, I, I got to get away. Yeah. But I tell you what, God helped me. I want you to look at in Genesis 3, 17. It said that it mentions the word sorrow repeatedly. I want you to go to Isaiah 53, verse number four. Isaiah 53, four. This verse will help you. If you're here today and you've got sorrow, I want you to know something. Jesus did something for you on the cross about your sorrow. Amen. Look at Isaiah 53, said, Surely... He hath borne, Isaiah 53, verse number four. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Look at that. Are you grieving today? Are you sorrowful today? Now, I'm not going to stand up here and act spiritual to you because I've asked God, Lord, how? How do I give them to you? You said, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. Lord, you said you carried my griefs and bore my sorrows. Lord, how do I transfer the grief that I have in my heart to you? I just want you to know this. I don't know all about this, but I'm on a journey. Yes. And at 69 years of age, I'm still growing spiritually. Amen. And I'm trying to learn that he carried my griefs and my sorrows. When he died, that chapter is about the cross. The whole chapter is about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, on and on it goes. And I want you to know something this Easter Sunday morning. That Jesus understands your griefs and your sorrow and your pain and your disappointment. And he will carry you and carry them. And I'm telling you something. I believe part of that is what's going on in my life. Some I read this week. Again, I've read it before. Loneliness. Watch this. And betrayal becomes your friend when it makes you lean on Jesus and have fellowship with him. All right. Amen. All right. When it drives you to where you have nobody else to talk to, nobody can understand, nobody try, you can't explain it to anybody, yes. you can explain it to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he hears and he carries and he carries your griefs. And God, here's what the deal is. Sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives that just drives us to the mercy seat. Yep. Yeah. And we say, God, I need you. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. But you know what I always come back to? I said, there was a curse. There was a fall. That's why. That's why sin, that's why I have grief today because we're under the curse. It, see, I, there's, a, there's a beginning and there's an end. And God wants to, God doesn't, well, why is there this and why is there that? And why is there this and why this and why that? And if you're not careful, why God? Why God? Why God? Why God? You spend your life. And God already told you because of the fall, because of the curse, and because of the sin that you and I have these things in our life. And can I tell you something? You don't need another pill and you don't need a, a, a preacher counselor and you don't need a counseling session. You need to read your Bible and get back to it and say, you know what? God's told me what the problem out this place is. But you got to go further and get to the remedy. We'll get there in a minute. Now you say, Reggie, he'll turn your sorrow into joy. Look at first Peter chapter one, verse number eight. Whom have you not seen you love? You haven't seen Jesus. Don't tell me you had a dream. In whom though now you see him not, yet believe and you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. My mom and I sat down there at her house this morning, mom. We talked about her, her husband, my daddy, and the fact that we're going to see him again. And though we had tears in our eyes, there was joy in our heart. 
because of the promise of Almighty God and the grief and the sorrow. And she began to tell me when she saw where she saw when that stroke hit my daddy there in the living room and where he was standing. And she knew it was a stroke immediately. And we we talked about all that. But inside my mother's heart and my heart, there is joy unspeakable, full of glory. Know it. Mama, we'll see him again. Amen. There'll be a resurrection day and I'll see my daddy again. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus took care of it on the cross. He took care of your curse. He took care of your nakedness. He took care of your sorrows. And then number five, four, he take care of your sweat. There in Genesis 3, uh, 19, God said you sweat. Now I know, I want to show you how bad people want away from this. Nobody wants to do physical work in America anymore. And they want air conditioning going everywhere all the time. Isn't that funny? We don't like that sweat. He has one of the best things for us. It's good for you to sweat. God knows that in that fallen body that you've got, it's good for you to sweat. Get those stinking toxins out of you. Amen. Get out there and sweat. Get you. I say buy your kids chainsaws and split malls for Christmas. Amen. And buy 10 acres of woods and say we're going to start with one tree. Amen. And I'll tell you, make them work and make them work and make them work. But I'm going to tell you this much. You go out here and get this. You know what? If you ain't careful, you work your whole life. Sweat. And then what? Well, I work my guts out so I leave my kids something. Yeah. They may spit on your grave too. If you're not careful, you'll be just like Solomon. It's all vanity, vain, vexation of spirit. What did it amount to? I worked my guts out. I, I tell you, I did without so my kids could have this. And I did without that. Look, we talk, we do this and that. And you get to the end of the road, all that sweat, all that labor. It's in vain. Let me tell you something. I told the men the other day, I had a revival meeting. For as much as you know, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, there's one thing I know. If I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I guess God would tell you, but I'm so glad he saved me and called me to preach because if I wasn't serving God, I don't even know why I'd be on this earth. I'll tell you another thing most people don't know. They don't know why they're here. You were created for the glory of God. Revelation chapter 4 verse number 11. That's the only reason you were created. That's the purpose of your life is to glorify God. Here's what happens. Because they don't know that book, they live their life for money. They live their life for pleasure. They live their life for what? And get you in the road, they don't even know why they were here. Pitiful. Pitiful. Bless God, I'm glad I know why I'm here. I'm telling you, I know why I'm here. I've been dead years ago. Sweat. I want you to look what Jesus did for us when he took our sweat. By the way, did you know in the Bible it says in the Garden of Eden, what did he do? Not the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Gethsemane. His sweat was a great drops of blood. Every word that you underline in Genesis chapter 3 is found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He took it all. You know what he gives us? Rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. People, you know what? People just, oh, oh. I mean, wouldn't you like to have a pharmaceutical company making nerve pills? Man, I'll tell you what, you get rich quick and fast in a hurry. People are just pills, 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 pills. They want somebody to give them psychological kind of, I mean, they're crazy. Why? Because they don't know where they come from. They don't know why it's like it is. They don't understand it. And they're floating in confusion. And I want this church, I want you to know you're under curse. It's because of sin. I want you to know that that's real. And there's a reason the stuff is going on that it is going. Can I tell you something? Jesus said, and he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The Bible said they're violent, violent. If God said they're violent, they're violent. He said it was in the days of Lot. Yesterday when Riley Gaines, and I don't know anything about her other than I respect her. She said this morning, she said, they ain't intimidated me. They fired me up. I'm going to stand against this transgender garbage. She said, I'm going after them. Isn't it pitiful that a woman's got to stand up in this country for what's right? But they... But I'll tell you right now, I'm so glad that she's standing up, that she knows who she is, that she knows it's not right for a man to be in the girl's dressing room. Right. Amen. Right. Ain't right for a girl to be in the boy's dressing room. Right. And it ain't, I'll tell you, you talk about stupidity, putting boys out there to swim against them and run races against them. That's the stupidest bunch of garbage out of hell I ever heard in my life. Somebody says, you act like you don't like it. No, I don't like it because God don't like it. God says it's an abomination. Amen. It's wrong. 
sit around and act like, man, we got to tolerate them. No, you don't. Amen. I'm glad that God can give us rest. And I'll tell you what, you get saved, God will rest. Amen. There's a rest. You can be working in rest. I've heard my daddy say a lot of times, he'd go milk cows and it's restful to me. I tell you, if you're in the will of God in your life, you can rest doing what you're doing. Number five, thorns. Thorns. Look at Genesis 3.18. Genesis 3.18, thorns. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. Now, as a boy, my job a lot of times was go get the cows up. And I was barefoot a lot in those days. Go barefoot, liked it. I, I couldn't wait to get out there in springtime, take my shoes off, and get my feet toughened in, you know. And then pretty soon I'd just run anywhere. And I'd go out and get the cows up. And Danny, I don't know about your farm, but we had a lot of what's called poor Joe. Uh -huh. Anybody know what poor Joe is? Boy, I tell you, it's the sorriest bunch of stuff comes up out of the ground and a goat won't hardly eat it. Now, if a goat won't eat it, it ain't worth nothing. <laughs> and do you ever notice that, and, and I hear about somebody planting alfalfa or planting corn. And boy, you had to take care of the bugs. You had to take care of the weeds. You had to constantly take care of it. You'd lose it. And I think, remember thinking, I watched this. I remember thinking as a boy, how come alfalfa don't grow like poor Joe? I'm just a boy. I'm just walking down after the cows barefoot. And I never forget one time a plane went over and I was barefoot and I was doing that. And I walked step right on top of a snake. Man, I tell you what, I can jump like a deer walking on a snake. I promise you that. But anyway, I got to thinking, how come there's thorns, briars, multiply rose bushes? Anybody know what they are? Yeah. I mean, they took the sinking country over. Yeah. And you can't do nothing without getting hung up and your britches are staring. And you come back to the house and you tore up. And you even want to go pick a rose. Ah! Yeah. Thorns. Thorns. Everything you, t I'm going to do this to me. Even your pleasures have thorns in them. The Bible said, even in laughter, their heart is mournful. You know why we're drinking and doping? To try to get our mind off of the stuff that's tearing us up. Thorns. You say, man, life, I finally made it. I got rich. There's going to be a lot of thorns. I promise you. Thorns. Thorns everywhere. I'm glad that someday, Danny, alfalfa will grow and there won't be no bugs in the apples no worm. I thought man I found an apple on our tree here a couple three years ago and I thought there's one and no wormholes you know I figured out finally somebody told me said, hey, that means they ain't all come out yet <laughs> they're all still in there <laughs> there's worms in our apples everything you have touched there's thorns in it it's a problem everything in life seemed like it was good but a thorn Oh, C.A. Spurgeon said, you better not spoil your kids or they'll become thorns in your pillows at night. Even your children can become thorns to your peace. You know what Jesus did in John 19? Look at it. And the soldiers platted a what? There was thorns in Genesis 3 and Jesus took the thorns. And I want to tell you something, there ain't no thorns in the life of Christ. Amen. Amen. I ain't never said, oh boy, I wish I'd never got saved. Oh boy, I wish I hadn't done this. wish I hadn't served God. I want to tell you something. We're living, I'm telling you, with, with Christ, it is roses without thorns. By the way, going over, he, you know what he gives you? Look across your page here on, 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 the, on thorns. He gives you pleasure. My wife's favorite verse is Psalm 1611. Yep. Pleasure forevermore. When you get to heaven, we get in the millennial reign. There's going to be pleasure forevermore. There won't be thorns in it. Amen. amen. There will not be thorns in your soul. There will not be thorns in your mind. There will not be thorns in your heart. Oh, listen to me. You poor young people. I love you. But some of you are going to get your little sweetheart broke. You're going to get sweet on somebody and all of a sudden it ain't going to work out and you're going to think the end of the world came. I, I hate to say this. Boy, I'm glad God... You know, he, he didn't have a, a leash, brother, on me. He had a chain and a rope and a bulldozer. Me <laughs> Pulled me out of the world. Yep, me too. And I'll tell you what, I remember one time I got sweet on this little gal down at camp. Uh -oh. And I got sweet on her and we was writing letters back and forth after camp. And then all of a sudden one day, she ditched me. Ben. And I went into eternal mourning. No, you kids, listen to me. I hate to say this. I hate to admit it. I'd go out in the truck or car and I'd turn on the radio waiting for them mournful songs about how you lost, how you lost your sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah, to, <laughs> oh, sit there and act like you ain't never been. If you ain't never, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Some of you ain't never got over it yet. Oh. I'm going to tell you something. Listen. 
There's thorns. Look at number six, the sword. God put in verse 30, 24, chapter 3, he put a sword. And separated God from man. A sword is a sign of justice. It's a sign of power and authority. And God put a flaming sword up there. Man was separated. I'm going to tell you right now, until you're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You will not enter into God's presence. Can I tell you something? There's a flaming sword. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And this book declares you guilty. And this book declares the only way you can be reconciled to God is through the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That somebody innocent died for the guilty. That's you and I. Sword. John 19, 34. Watch it. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. A spear is a sword on a long stick. And Jesus took the sword. Watch this. He took the justice. God's holy. Man's sin. Wages of sin is death. Justice has to occur. But God made a way for mercy to come in. And he took and executed his justice and his wrath against sin upon his son Jesus Christ. And Jesus paid for Reg Kelly's sins, all of them. And the sword went in Christ. And now justice has been satisfied and mercy has been given. And God can be just and the justifier of those that believe. He took our sword. Number seven. In Genesis 2, 17 and so forth, it talks about how that the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And when you get to Genesis chapter five, verse number five, it said, Adam lived so many years and what? died. The truth about it is his first, he had two deaths. He had a spiritual death the day that he sinned. Separated from God. He had a physical death 800 and some years later. Now here's what I want to tell you this morning about Jesus. Whenever you go to, go to the next text there fellas if you will, Matthew 27 50. Matthew 27, 50. Remember that in the fall and in the sin, death came. And when Jesus had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Now you listen to me. He died in our place for our sin. And the result of that is that you now can have life. On the right side of that statement, number seven, you can have life and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Watch this. Everything that happened to Adam and his descendants, which is you and I, Jesus Christ dealt with on the cross of Calvary. Go down through there. He took care of our curse. He took care of our nakedness before God. He took care of our sorrow. He took care of our sweat. He took care of our thorns. He took care of the sword. And he took care of the death. And he died in our place, but he rose again the third day. And I'm here to tell you this one, this is Resurrection Sunday. And we need to get back and remember why we're having this. Right. Lest it become an empty holiday yes. that we really forget what this is all about. Jesus took care of everything that sin did to mankind when he died on the cross. And he reversed it and put us back under blessing, clothed us with his righteousness, joy in our hearts, rest instead of labor, pleasure instead of pain, and a crown instead of a sword and life everlasting instead of death. That's what we have to offer to this world. Now I want you folks to remember this morning that when sorrow comes to your house and sorrow comes to your heart, it's because of sin. But God has a remedy for that sin. We've seen creation in Genesis. We've seen the fall. We've seen the curse. But we see the cross in Genesis and the cure. Jesus Christ is coming back someday. I'll tell you right now, I'm just, I'm like a kid. I'm like a kid. You know what I'm like right now? How many of you remember it was two weeks till school got out? Uh (laughs) Who remembers that? And I mean, you're just like marking the days off the counter. School's out. I'm like right now. I'm like old B.R. Lincoln said, I'm going to be like a schoolboy bounding out of the schoolhouse when the Lord takes me home. I'm ready to roll. Amen. I'm ready to go because let me tell you something. Jesus has prepared a place for me. He's prepared a place for you if you're saved.
And he's coming, he's coming back to get us. Yep. Let me tell you what's, what's up. By the way, let me just say, in the Sunday school lesson, we'll be looking at this. Everything in the New Testament is enclosed in the Old Testament. Yep. And everything in the Old Testament is disclosed in the New Testament. Yep. And all the stuff that's going on right now is in there yeah. in ahead of time and telling us what's going on. Amen. Now I'm glad that one of these days the trumpet of God's going to sound the dead in Christ shall rise. Amen. And us who are alive Amen. together will rise up together meet them, we'll meet the Lord in the air. Amen. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. And I'm glad also this at the end of that seven year tribulation now you think things are bad now? You ain't seen nothing. My guess is this is that you will see in the tribulation period people that will not bow the knee to the perversion culture that we got now, yeah. they'll be, yeah. their heads will get cut off. Yeah. Yep. Yep. These, they said this week, we are not playing games with America. Yeah. We mean to take this country over. Yeah. Yes, they do. I don't got news for them, Brother Ben. I'm going to fight them right. till the Lord takes me out of here. Right. I'm going to tell you right now, Amen. they be, there's more with us than is against us. Amen. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Now I'm going to tell you all something. I was up in Philadelphia last week, and I do not want this country turned into Philadelphia. That's right. We're going to fight them. Amen. I mean, we're going to fight them. Amen. How many want ready to fight them? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, we're not going to give in to this garbage. They're not, they're not educating our kids. They're not telling our kids they're came from monkeys. They're not telling us that they're not male and female. They're not lying to us anymore. Amen. Do something about it. Get up on your paws and paws or crawls or whatever and say, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to let this world have my children, my grandchildren. Amen. Amen. I love you this morning. If you're not saved, you ought to get saved today. You say, well, would you, would you play just as I am and, and have every head bowed? No. If you was in a burning house, you wouldn't want me to have the, let the pianos come. Every head bowed and every eye closed while we get ready to pull you out of the house. Let me just tell you something I'm wanting. I'm wanting old time conviction like there was in Acts chapter 2. Where they, where nobody gave me an invitation. They said, ministers, what must we do to be saved? That's what I'm waiting on. I, I want to tell you something right now. You, I want to tell you how far we're gone. Now, some of you hang on your hats. It's 1149. All right, we still got three hours, amen. But anyway, <laughs> now don't get mad at me and don't think that I'm against the guy. I'm not against him. There's a great man of God named Lester Roloff who was yesteryear, okay? Well, hang on to your hats a little bit. And I tell you, I love to hear that guy preach. He just is a blessing. Amen. But along this trail of my life, it's like the Holy Spirit began to say something to me. There's something wrong here, something wrong here. And I kept saying, what, what is it, what is it? Now, I, I, I'm, I ain't nobody, ain't nothing, but I'm telling you, it's like the Lord said, Reggie, I, you look in the Bible for homes where I had men in, women. Now, hang on your hat. I'm all for helping people. But we literally, and the church has bought into this thing, Christians have bought into it, to where we think we've got to have some kind of group, some kind of a home, some kind of something to fix these people's lives. You know what we're telling them? That our God does not have the power to change you, to break the addictions, to break the gambling, to break the drinking, to break the immorality. Our God, if he's not powerful enough to break a man's drug addiction instantly, he's not God at all. But we've developed these ministries. Well, we're going to take five years to lead them out. Yeah. I'm bothered by it. Yeah. He, he's a greater man of God than I'll ever dream about being, okay? But I don't agree with that. And I also think that's one reason he had so much trouble with it. Yeah. Right now, the church has substituted the power of Almighty God. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll show you something. You can't hardly get a drug head to walk in this church. Right. Why? Conviction. Well, I just don't feel love there. That's right. Reggie's just too, he's just too coarse for me. It's a cult. Amen. You know what the problem is? They do not want to repent. That's right. That's the They want people, well, they just accept us as we are. They want to feel good. 
Can I tell you something? God does not accept you just like you are. That's right. He's going to change you. He's going to convict you. He's going to convert you. He's going to take you out of this world. He's going to break the chains of sin on you. And God help us in this church to not buy in to this here humanistic programs, garbage. I'm going to tell you something. How many knows what you get when you get three young boys together? No boy. What do you get when you get three addicts together? And they'll learn how to play it. They know how to act in church. I'm telling you, listen to me. If God can't break that stuff, what's wrong with us? In the old days, when Billy Sunday and them men used to preach, people got saved. They quit drinking that night. When Buddy, when, when Buddy Robinson got saved, I've read his testimony. He got saved during an old arbor meeting, a brush arbor meeting. He said, I fought God like a rabid dog. But he said, the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and said, he pulled me up to the altar. He said, I had a pistol in one pocket. I had a car, set of cards up here and a bottle of whiskey in another pocket in my coat. He said, I knelt down at that, cross, at that little altar and said, God, I'm just a sinner. I don't know what to do. And he said, God said, pull the pistol out, lay it on the altar. Well, Lord, I might need it. I said, pull the pistol out, lay it on the altar. Then he said, God, God save me. He said, I want you to pull your deck of cards out. That's done. And then he said, Lord, Lord told he said, I want you to pull that bottle of whiskey out of your back coat pocket. Well, Lord, can I kind of ease that up a little bit and take a little while to get loose from that? No. And he said, I laid all that on the altar. Now you listen to me. If you want deliverance, get into that kind of power. And if he had walked out and said, I ain't doing it. My gun's staying with me. My card's staying with me. My liquor's staying with me. And he walked out lost and died and went to hell. But he said, I took on. He said, that old preacher stand up and going. (laughs) (laughs) I want to tell you what we need is old time Holy Ghost conviction. That breaks the man of his rebellion against God. To always throw up the white flag and said, God. Whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Amen. I'm tired of it. I'll be honest with you, I'm not interested in pastoring the church. I'm not interested in putting up with this religious phony blowing stuff. I'll tell you what, when these old time Bible repentance and get right with God. And by the way, that's not a work of righteousness that you do. That's a work of the Holy Ghost in you that puts you the desire and the power to repent and say, God, I'm done with it. Amen. I'll tell you right now, you say, Reggie, I don't believe that. Well, I'm going to give you my personal testimony. I hate to, but if it'd help you. I got on wine so bad, Brother Randy, that I wanted some within reach all the time. Called it crazy water. 19 years old. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm Irish, German cross. When I do something, it's full blast or nothing. We ain't going to have a little sip. We're going to get drunk. Oh yeah. Now you listen to me. When God took that away from me, he took it away from me instantly. I got more news for you. I was chewing good money, chewing tobacco. Always had a pack of it right in the back. Now the Bible don't say thou shalt not chew chewing tobacco, but I knew God was dealing with me about it. One day in the milk barn, I told God, I said, God, I've tried to quit and I can't quit. God said, that's right, Reggie. You You don't have the power to quit, but I do. And the second you start obeying me, Reggie, and doing what I tell you to do, that's when the power will come for deliverance. And God told me, said, you take that twist you got right now. I said, God, whatever, let's go. He said, you take that twist you got right now in your back pocket. I took it out and he said, throw it in that trash can. I I throwed it and hit it. Can't believe God made a three-pointer right there. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you something. God delivered me from chewing tobacco. I'm going to tell you, God can deliver you from anything. And I'm going to give an invitation right now. We're going to have, I want the pens to come. And I want to tell you right now, you say, Reggie, I've got stuff I need out of my life. It may be pornography. It may be immorality. I don't know what it is. It may be hatred. It may be bitterness. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that you have under the curse but what Christ conquered at the cross. And he's coming back again in power and in glory. Let's stand together this morning. Which road are you on this morning? The Bible said there's a broad road that leads to broad road that leads to destruction, and there's a narrow road that leads to life. I want to ask you something right now. You're going to die just as sure as the world, and you're going to face just. You know what one of my favorite verses in the Bible is? I got news for you. Joe Biden, 
and all that. But Sunday, the Bible said every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I'm talking about Joe Biden getting on his knees. Every knee, that means the right knee, the left knee. But everybody in this church house and this preacher is going to bow before Almighty God and acknowledge that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I don't believe in lordship salvation. You can do that if you want to. I just believe in old time blood salvation. But I'll tell you this much. He is Lord whether you make him Lord or not. And he ought to be obeyed and worshiped and followed as his believers today. And if you've got a stronghold in your life that the, the Lord needs to take care of, I want you to step out of there when that pen comes. I want you to say, God, if you're big enough to save me, you're big enough to deliver me from any kind of junk the world throw at me. I want you to come right now. If you're here today and you're lost, God is big enough to save you, deliver you, forgive you, make you his child. Would you come this morning? Come on. Come on. This is Resurrection Sunday. God's got power. If he didn't have, I'm telling you right now, if he's got power to bring Jesus out of the grave, he's got power to deliver you from anything hitting your life. Amen. Come on today. Would you come? You're here today and you're not saved. My Lord, don't go home lost. My soul don't go home lost. Why don't you come and say, God, I want broken from this stuff. I don't want the bondage of sin anymore in my life. I want you to deliver me. I want you to, I want you to, Lord, if you can save me and take me to heaven, you're big enough to break the bondage of sin in my life. I want to tell you something, my heart breaks. How's up there? In those airports in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and young people running around everywhere. And you can tell by their actions they don't even know why they're here on the face of this earth. Oh, I want you young people to know there's a God in heaven that made you. There's a God in heaven that's taking care of all the curses that'll ever be thrown at you. And he loves you. And he wants to be your savior. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your eternal companion that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to come this morning. If the Holy Ghost has tugged on your heart, don't refuse him today. Don't refuse him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. I'm telling you something, I'm going to die believing that God is the deliverer, not mankind. We don't deliver ourselves, nor can other men deliver us. We need the Holy Ghost from heaven to deliver us in the power of God. God bless you, young man. Others have come. You come this morning. Let God, maybe you're mad at your wife. You're mad at your husband. I mean, you're all kinds of stupidities went through your mind. And you need the grace of God today. It's not that you're wallowing in some kind of wickedness, worldly sin, but you're battling inside your heart and your spirit as a Christian. And you know you need help from God. Would you come? Would you come? God bless you there and God bless you there. God bless you there. I'll never forget what Ronnie Simpson said one time in a revival meeting. He said, when the most spiritual people in the church deal with their sins, then revival will come. When the people that you think, well, man, they're they're just really walking with God, get right. You'll see God move through the congregation. Would you come this morning? God bless you there. God, I need your help. He's a present help in time of need. This is Resurrection Sunday. If there's anything resurrection speaks of, it speaks of the power of Almighty God. The power to break chains. The power to break hatred. The power to break bitterness. God's got it. Amen. We don't need to have to go anywhere else. and He doesn't charge a dime for it. God will help you today. Would you come? Before we dismiss today, and as these people pray, we're in no hurry, but let's bow our heads before the Lord. I said I wasn't going to do this, and I'm doing it best I know to follow the Lord, but I just feel in my heart today that there's some here who you're not saved. And it's not that you don't want to be, but maybe you've never really understood it. Oh, please listen to me. Christ died in your place. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Confess to him you're a sinner, your guilt before God, and that you need him right now. And maybe today you're fighting God, but you'd at least have the courage and the humility to say, Reg, I am not saved, but I'd appreciate you praying for me before we leave this service today. Now, you listen to me carefully. This church does not make spectacles out of people. We are not here to make spectacles out of you. If I tell you I want to pray for you, that's exactly what I mean. I am trying to lead you to Jesus Christ. 
would you right now just say, Reg, by saying that, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to badger you or bother you. But I am going to pray. Because you know who really needs to bother you? And that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's when you'll do business with God. But would you, before we leave, slip your hand up high and say, Reg, pray for me. I'm not saved. I need the Lord. I don't want to die and go to hell, but I'm fighting inside. Would you slip your hand up high anywhere in this building? Up high where I can see it. Just up and then back down. Anywhere. Anyone. Anywhere in this building. I do not see any hands now. Be sure to raise them up where I can see them. If you're going to. Is there a hand anywhere? Father in heaven. Lord, I did not see any hands. But I am so thankful that you can see hearts. Amen. And I pray God today that you will deal with those that are lost. That they'll be saved before it's eternally too late. Before they lift up their eyes in hell screaming for mercy but too late. God help them to know that you're a holy God above everything else. You love them but you're holy. You're a just God. You have mercy but you must have justice. Lord help them to see you for who you are in the Bible not as they conceived you to be in their mind. God delivers from this time and help us in this church to teach our children about sin about the fall about the curse and the results of it. And then, Lord, help us to teach them what Jesus did to deal with that. And then, Lord, help us to teach them what can be theirs as Christ overturned all that Satan did in the, in the Garden of Eden. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is risen and is alive forevermore and has the keys of hell and of death. God, thank you for the truth. I pray, Lord, this morning especially that you would help us in this area to not only hold the line, but to go forth with the word of God, preaching the whole counsel of God. Help us, Lord, not to get into crouched positions, just trying to hold out to the end. But let us go forth in the name and under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you for all the blessings that you've given this church, how good you've been to us. Now, Lord, I pray for these that have come. I do not know, nor do I need to know what they were talking to you about. But I know one thing, God, you're a God that hears and answers prayer. And help them right now as they leave this building to know that Satan will lie to them. But help them not to stagger at the promises of Almighty God. Lord, raise up preachers across America. Raise up men of God and families that will serve you and love you and not play games with the Bible. Lord, I want to thank you again for this great day, this day of resurrection. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.